Well, we're in week three of a series that I'm calling Christmas Carols, Christmas Carols. And today we're gonna look at uh, some truth in a very classic Christmas carol that all of you know. This song was first published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. The, the thought was that Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the, the father of the Reformation some 500 years ago, uh, that Martin Luther had penned this song, but it's proven later that he did not. The, the author of this song is absolutely unknown. But why don't you worship with us as the team leads us in this Christmas carol? Away, away in a manger. What I want to do is I want to focus uh, my time that I get with you this morning on just a few words that are repeated five times in this song. The hope is that every time you sing this Christmas carol, every time you repeat the words of this song, that these words would just leap off the screen, leap into your heart, and be activated, that your life would be impacted through the time, this sacred moment that we're spending together today. And those, those words that I want to focus on are the words, Lord Jesus. Five times in this song, you'll see the words, Lord Jesus. And turn to your neighbor and say with conviction, Lord Jesus. Now turn to the neighbor you really want to turn to and say, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now let me just tell you, this is kind of, sort of, I feel good when I teach this series. 
because there are, there are words that we sing that maybe weren't activated that can bring truth into our lives and help us get through dark periods. Today is not a feel-good day. Today it's my turn. It's my turn to be honest with you. So you probably won't feel really good when I'm done with this message. Can y'all forgive me in advance? Say yes. What I want to do is I want to give to you the truth found in the Word of God, but revealed to us through this Christmas carol away in a manger. 740 times in the Bible, Jesus is, in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord. And in, this, in the Christmas story, <clears throat> in Luke chapter 2, so if you got your Bible, we'll start there. In Luke chapter 2, in the Christmas story, it also refers to Jesus as Lord. You'll remember the shepherds were watching the flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is what? He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. So at the very beginning of the story of Jesus Christ coming to this world, he is announced as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, but it is also very clearly stated to us that he is the Lord. And so the big question that I want to deal with today is, what does that mean to us, Jesus being Lord? If Jesus is Lord, what does that mean for us in everyday life? In fact, my question is, what does it mean to make Jesus your Lord? I don't know that I like the way that I pin this question, because you don't make Jesus your Lord. God already made him the Lord of all. He is the Lord of all. And so we don't make him Lord. What we do is we surrender to that which already is. He is the Lord. We surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't make him the Lord. God already made him the Lord, but we surrender to his Lordship. But what does that mean? What, what, does, it, what does it mean? Well, the Greek word, the word in which the Bible was written in its original language in the New Testament, the Greek word for Lord is the word kurios. The word kurios, it means supreme in authority. It means controller. I think I just lost some of you right there. It means controller and it means Lord. Now, when you think of the word controller, you probably have a problem because I think that Jesus has some competition with the word controller with being the Lord of your life and the one that he's competing with is, is you because you want to be in control of your own life. But if Jesus Christ is your Lord, if he is your supreme authority, then Jesus has to be in control of your life 100%. So what I wanna do with the time that we have together today is talk about what does it mean to surrender to the Lordship of Christ? Don't check out on this message because you're a Christian, because I'm talking to the Christian folk today. What does it mean to surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ? How do we do that? And and I want to talk about really two different levels of surrender. You've got number one and you've got number two. You've got A, you've got B. You get to choose today as a follower of Jesus Christ which life you're going to choose, which surrender you're going to choose. 
before we go on, I, I want to tell you, I am a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder at my house. I like things cleaned out. I like, don't like a bunch of garbage around, but I am a, um, a, a Target, Walmart, and a grocery store hoarder when it comes to an element, to one, one item. That item is not toilet paper. Some of y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> that item is not Lysol. Can't find a Lysol, to, a can of Lysol to save my soul. Can, can you know what I'm saying? I can't find it anywhere. Some, who's got all the Lysol? Somebody's going to have a house fire, and that sucker's going to blow up, and we're going to know who had all the Lysol. And it's not even the, the Clorox wipes. No, no, no. Mine started long before COVID, and it happens every year about this time. And what I do is I am a... I, I, love, I love coffee, but I love sugar-free creamers. And you can only get sugar-free pumpkin spice latte creamer one time a year. They, I, I don't know what they do. They have warehouses full of it. They're like, we're just going to not let them have it for a long time. And then we're going to put it out on the shelves sparingly. Not where all the other creamer is, but on an cap somewhere. He's going to have to go hunting for it in every store. And I do. I go to the stores, and I'm like, wow, it looks like they've got 11 of them right in my cart, Right? Sure as I'm alive today, my, my beautiful bride is over here. Our refrigerator is half full of creamers right now at our house. We don't have children living with us anymore. We've got lots of creamer now. Uh, this, when, you, when you go to the, to the, when you get your PSL, right? Your PSL, your pumpkin spice latte. Uh, some people get it at Starbucks. I almost went through the drive-thru today at Starbucks and asked them for an empty cup just to write PSL on it, but I thought that was kind of weird, and so I decided not to because I don't want theirs. What I want is I want mine because they don't have the sugar-free. See, I don't, listen, here's an assignment for all of our churches. If you find sugar-free pumpkin spice coffee mate creamer at any store, buy it all. I'll pay you an extra dollar per container is what I'll do. I'll stockpile that stuff up, but I love that stuff and it's gone, it seems like, in no time. I want you to think of PSL. Some of you, how many of how many y'all drink a pumpkin spice latte every now and then? Anybody do? Okay, so some PSL people, would they write PSL on the side of your cup is what they do. They write P, and so what I wanna do is I wanna talk about number one, PSL to the first level of surrender is what I'm calling the partially surrendered life. The partially surrendered life. The partially surrendered life. I am very afraid. I've been in this gig, this thing called ministry full-time for two and a half decades. And I am very concerned that this is where the majority of American Christians live their lives in what's called a partially surrendered life. There are so many casual Christians. There are so many cultural Christians. They believe in God, but they act as though he doesn't exist. It's the partially surrendered life. One time Jesus was talking to two groups of people. He was talking to a group of, uh, they, they were builders. They were all builders, like home builders or construction people but he was talking to a group of them that were wise and a group of them that were foolish. And when Jesus was talking to the foolish ones, he said in Luke chapter six, uh, verse number 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, why y'all giving me lip service? I don't want lip service I want life service. I don't want a bunch of talk from you. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord? <clears throat> and then do whatever the heck you want to do. Why do you do that? Jesus is saying, this is not a game. This thing called your life in Christ, the life in the spirit, living for Jesus, being a follower of Jesus Christ, 
This is not a game. And unfortunately, today, I believe there are so many people who would say, you know, I believe that Jesus is Lord, but I still want to do what I want to do. I believe Jesus is Lord, but I still want to do whatever I want to do. I believe Jesus is Lord, and I, but, but I'm not going to trust him with, I'm not going to trust him with, with everything in my life. Why would I do that? I believe Jesus is Lord. This is the B-I-B-L-E, the book that has the instructions for living a life that is holy and pleasing unto God. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And he says that I am to pray for those who hurt me and bless those who persecute me. You know what? That, that, my friend, that is not realistic. In fact, the Bible goes on to say uh, you're supposed to forgive 70 times 7. After what they did to me, after what they said about me, after how they treated me, not me. Um, the Bible, Bible tells us, the Bible says, I'm supposed to give 10% of my income as my tithe? Are you kidding me? That is not going to happen. Some of y'all just wet yourself already because I'm doing, you just got to stay with me for a second. Stop looking lustfully at women or at men. You, I'm only human. I'm not going to do that one either. Um, serve other people. Love everyone. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Some of you, if you didn't know me, would get up and leave right now because I just, in your opinion, defaced God's word. You could never destroy this word. It is indestructible. But what I want you to understand from this is many of you rip up God's truth every single day by the way that you choose to live or by the way that you choose not to live. Don't be upset because I just did this. Be upset because you're doing it every day. It's the partially surrendered life. Let me illustrate it to you in this, uh, uh, these two verses from the Bible from Proverbs chapter, chapter 3 in the Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and he can make your, or you can make your own paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. That's supposed to say up here that the PSV, the partially surrendered version, this isn't really what the Bible says. We change it. Put it back. Let's read it again. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Well, I give most of my heart to the Lord. Lean on your own understanding. I mean, I've got a brain after all. I can figure this out. In some of your ways, acknowledge him. I'm, I'm better than, than I used to be. Better than they are. You should see them. And, 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 I, and you can make your own paths straight. The, it's the partially surrendered version of 
the Bible, which, by the way, does not exist. It's not real. I made just so we're being very clear out there in the internet world. I, did, I made it up. It's, the part, it's, it's not what the Bible says. My point is this. By the way, I'll get to what it really says in a minute. But my point is this. Jesus is no part-time Lord, and he does not want part-time followers. When you come to him, you asked him to forgive you of your sins, to, to remove the guilt and the shame of your sins from your soul. And he did. And he continues to do that. Jesus wants you to give your whole life to him. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You got to give it away. You got to surrender your life. You must come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, under his supreme authority. He is the one who gets to say what is right and what is wrong. You don't have a vote. He is the Lord of your life. He saved you from hell forever. He has ushered eternal life into your family lineage. He is the savior of the world. He is the one who is in control. That should bring some security to your life. He is the Lord of all and we come under his lordship. And we don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to say, hey, I like this thing because, you know, this thing's going to keep me out of hell, but over here I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. You don't get that choice. This is serious business. So here's what I want you to do. Take just a moment and try to answer this one question. Very prayerfully. But the question is, is simply this. What have I not surrendered to the Lord? Give it a name, my attitude. Give it a name. My out-of-control anger and rage fits that I'm having. Give it a name. What have you not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Put the question up there and let's leave it up for just a second. What have I not surrendered to the Lord? What area of my life am I still keeping control of? I'll give you everything but this. And we disguise it and we candy coat it and we put frosting on the, on the, the feces. And we say, you know what, I've, I've, I've given it to you as best as I can. It is a choice. Choose today. What am I unwilling to give to God? For some of you, it, it might be your kids. You're like, well, that can't be true because they're back there. Right, they're going to be in the Christmas pageant. But it, but it might be, it might not be that you're raising them to learn the Bible. It might be that um, you've got an agenda for your children's lives and for their future. And by golly, nothing is going to stop you from accomplishing what you want for your children. When you stood on this stage and you dedicated your children to God, confessed to God that they aren't your kids anyway, they're his. And he is entrusting you to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the controller, the supreme authority. Maybe it's your future. 
And you know, you, gotta, you're, you like to line things up and plan things out. I mean, you got, I'm going to graduate here. I'm going to go to school there. I'm going to get a job here. I'm going to be married by such and such time. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to retire at this point. And if, if not, then I guess, God, you just weren't really there because you didn't help my plans become a reality. And maybe God is saying, quit keeping control of that and surrender that to me. I'm not saying don't have goals and ambitions. But his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It's never been a high beam halogen, right? It's not gonna show you years and years down the road. Just follow the Lord. It could be a relationship. I know I'm dating the wrong person or I, should, I shouldn't be dating her, I shouldn't be dating him. He's not drawing me closer to God. She's certainly not drawing me closer to God, but, but I love him. I can change him. No, you can't. And you just stay in control. What is it? What is it? Put the question up, please, for me, Marissa, one more time. What is it? What have I not surrendered to the Lord? And this is a big question that has the potential of making this next season, the next chapter in your journey, in your life, highly successful, beautifully magnificent. Hmm. What is it that you've not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Because I believe that almost all of us, in one way or another, are living a partially surrendered life, and this is not the way Jesus wants us to live our lives. But there is another way that Jesus wants us to live our lives, and, and it's what I would call we need to live the fully surrendered life. So you can choose the partially surrendered life, or you can choose the fully surrendered life. Not, not, not a kind of a Sunday Christian, kind of when it's convenient, but a full-on, hold nothing back, my life does not belong to me, but it belongs to him type of a commitment. It's the fully surrendered life. In fact, I love the way Paul uh, phrased this in Romans chapter 14, when he said in verses seven and eight, for none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, I assume all y'all are living, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Because you're alive today, why do we live? It's to honor whom? It is to honor the Lord. That's why we live. It's to honor the curios, the supreme authority. We live to honor the Lord with our words, with our actions, with our deeds, with our choices, with our thoughts. We live to honor the Lord. And if we die, so whether, if we die, we honor the Lord. We honor the Lord in death. So whether we live or whether we die, who do we belong to? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we belong to the curios, to the Lord. We belong to him. Our lives are not our own. Well, don't you think I just... In the American culture, we struggle with this. And I love our nation. I am so patriotic and so loyal to this wonderful land called the United States of America. It's a personal affront if someone tries to come against our, the, the, the mandates of our Constitution, whether internal or external. 
But it's difficult for us when we live in the land of the free to understand the concept of lordship because lordship means I am no longer in control. Does that mean that God takes away your free choice? No, but he wants you to choose for him to be in control every day of your life, in every way in your life. That's why I wear this wedding ring. I belong to Keely and Keely belongs to me. A few weeks ago, we celebrated our 33rd anniversary of our first date, of our first date, of our first, that great first date, first date. I remember that first date well. And a couple years after that, I was 16 at the time, a couple years after that, I asked her to marry me and, and we, got, we got married. Yes, I was 18 when we got married and God has been with us and we're grateful for that. And as an, as an 18-year-old little punk, little twerp, I took all the, I mustered all the negotiating skills I had and took all the cash I had in my pocket because I had no checking account. There was no credit card anybody was going to give to an 18-year-old at that time. Now they'll give your 12-year-old a credit card. I don't understand the process of that. But, and, and so I, I, I got, had the money, all the money in the world I could come up with, and I went to the jewelry store, and I bought her the fattest, biggest rock an 18-year-old with all cash and no credit could, could buy. It was, it, was, it was the thought that counts. Everybody say yes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And on August 18th, 1989, at 10 o'clock at night, I took my wife to be to the top of the hill at Edmondson Park in Oskaloosa, Iowa, a park that we had spent many of our dates and stuff up to that point as high school sweethearts hanging out at. I took her to the top of the hill and there was a pavilion up there and I got down on one knee and I proposed to her and asked her if she would marry me. At that point, when I got down on one knee and opened up the little box and said, you know, will you marry me? The ring was shining. It was air, airplanes were just struggling to know where to land because of the, the shininess of that <laughs> tiny little flake of a rock. Let me ask you a question. When I asked my wonderful wife to marry me, when I, when I, when I offered her that ring, how much did that ring cost her? Well, the ring, if you're going to say it cost her something, you're, that's just shame on you. It was free, right? You don't, don't like, like you charge her for it. Like it's free. Like I bought the ring with my money and I gave it to her. It didn't cost her anything. But when she received the ring from me, well, then it cost her everything. The ring didn't cost her anything. But when she received the ring, it it costs her everything. I mean, and when I received this ring, it, it was free. But, but it, when I received it, it costs me everything. I am hers and she is mine. We forsake all others. Keep the only unto her, only unto him, as long as you both shall live. For better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness, health, to love, cherish, honor, all of those, all of those, uh, it costs, it costs me everything. It costs her everything, but it was free. It, do you see the great exchange that takes place there? When Jesus died and shed his blood for you, he offered you the availability of a free gift. And the availability of the free gift is called salvation. Salvation costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. Salvation costs Jesus absolutely everything. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're no longer 
your own. You are forfeiting, willingly giving up the rights to control your own life because you belong to him. That is a wonderful thing. We surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's like getting in an airplane and uh, the, you're in the cockpit and the pilot's like, hey, would you like to fly? Like, sweet. And he's like, I'll see you. I'm going to go take a nap. No, 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 no. Get back up here because I don't want to be in the driver's seat of something that I can't drive on my own. I can't land it. I can't navigate through tough storms on my own. I need somebody that understands, that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, that is everywhere all at once. I need somebody to take the control in the driver's seat of my life. That's the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is a safe thing. And you're no longer in control. You're not the lord of your own life. He is. And that's safe because when you're, when you're not in the driver's seat, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. He'll navigate it all for you. All the, all the fiery darts of the evil one, he'll help you. No, with Christ, you can do all things, all things through him because he will give you the strength away in a manger. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus, little Lord Jesus, lay down his sweet head. Now, I love this Christmas carol, but don't misunderstand he was once a little baby, but he is now the soon returning, conquering, reigning, ruling, supreme in authority, coming back with a sword with a name written on it that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he means business. He means business. Don't just say, Lord, Lord, and then do whatever you want to do with your life. Your life, if you're a Christian, does not belong to you. It belongs to Jesus, the supreme ruling reigning king of the universe. Will never be dethroned, never lost a battle, never will lose a battle. So with that shared, let me share with that said, let me share with you what Proverbs chapter 3 actually says. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. We're, we're told to trust in whom? Trust in the Lord. Not with some of our heart, but with all of our heart. And we're told to lean not on our own understanding. What you see isn't everything to see. Your perspective isn't the only perspective. Do you live in tomorrow? Because he does. He knows the beginning from the end. In all our ways, we are told to acknowledge him. We, everybody say the word acknowledge. I don't really like that word. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. But when we acknowledge him, he'll make our paths straight. That the Old Testament, can I just teach for just one second today? The Old Testament was written in the language called Hebrew. And if you want to know what words actually mean, it, the interpreters, the translators of it, didn't intentionally get it wrong, but sometimes they have to choose between a litany of options of words when they translate it. 
This word acknowledge has another option. Uh, instead of it being, it's the word yada, Y-A-D-A in the Hebrew, okay? Acknowledge is the word yada. Well, big deal, you're really impressing me, Troy. But it's just yada. But it, we, it's been translated acknowledge. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I don't like that. I don't like it because I don't think it really is strong enough. Um, another word that could be used, could have been used by the translators, was the word to know him. It's along the lines of the word, the same word is used, the word yada is used when Adam knew his wife. It's not a sexual term. It is an intimacy, a connection to really know somebody that the, in the depths of who they are, the essence of who that person really, really is. Acknowledge the word to know. Um, and if you know him, he will make your path straight. He'll clear up all the junk. He'll remove the obstacles. Those obstacles are also called strongholds in your life. He'll pull those suckers down. He'll give you some smooth sailing. He's not saying it's not going to be switchbacks and curves and turns and slow it down a little bit along the way. But he will make your path straight. Your life is crazy. Do you know him? Your marriage is a disaster. Do you know him? Your finances are messed up? Do you know him? Your, your relationship picker is broken? My wife says that. You got a relationship picker in you, and some people's relationship picker is all messed up, right? You're picking the wrong relationships. The question that we would have is, do you know him? Now, don't, don't just scuffle over this. Don't just shimmy, shimmy, shimmy on. Yeah, 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 let's get on because the football game is awaiting do you know him in that area of your, I asked you a minute ago, the question was, was, that was beckoned, do you, what area of your life have you not surrendered to the Lord? In that area, that means, here, here's what I know, the reason so many people do not surrender a certain area or some area of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is because you don't know him in that area. I'm not saying you're, you're not saved. I'm saying you're, you've got a partially surrendered life. And you're probably beating your head against the wall going, how, how can this change? Well, it can change by knowing him in that area. And to know him in the area of, of lust. To know him in the area of trust. To know him in the area, I don't have another ust word, okay? But to know him in, in the area of whatever it is in your life, it's transformative. To know him is to love him. To know him is to trust him. That's why God sent Jesus to that manger some 2,020 years ago. So we can know him. So we can relate to him. And so we could have a personal relationship with him. So the question is, do you really know him? Because some of the most haunting words of all of Scripture are found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never, what's it say? Knew you. I never knew you. 
away from me, you evil doers. In other words, you call me Lord, Lord, but you didn't do what I told you to do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You've heard it said before, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. It's not a game. He is not a part-time God and he doesn't want part-time followers. He gave us the free gift of eternal life and the only reasonable response that we should have is, here is my life back to you, God. 100% of it belongs to you. Not my will, but thy will be done in this vessel of honor. In other words, what I'm trying to take control of, what I need to do is I need to surrender it to his lordship. God, I recognize I'm going to bring it out of the darkness of my heart and into the light and tell you, yeah, I'm messing this one up. I need to surrender this to your lordship. And I want to get to know you. I want to lean on you in this area of my life. I don't want to lean on my own understanding, but I want to lean on you. And in all my ways, all my ways, I want to know you. And the result of that, God, is your promise. Your promise to me, which you've never broken. You're the supreme promise keeper of the universe. Your promise to me is you're going to make my path, my path straight. Close your eyes, would you please? Watching at home, take just a second. Close your eyes. So what are you going to live? This is the choice. I mean, Christians, listen closely. What are you going to live? Are you going to live the partially surrendered life? Or are you going to live the fully surrendered life? Because that's really the two options that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Which, which one are you going to do? And so if you're ready, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was that you had stated in the answer to the question that I posed to you. What have you not surrendered to the Lord? But the question that I have for you today is, are you going to surrender it to Him now? And if you choose to surrender it to the Lord, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but my hunch is 80% of everybody listening today or in the future has something they need to surrender to God. And, and you know what I know is? I know the Holy Spirit is at work right now. And he is revealing to your heart. You don't have to scratch your head and go, hmm, I wonder, what could it be? You know exactly what it is. And so it's that thing that he wants you to surrender to him today. Because as the song says, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're ready to give those things over to the Lord, I want you wherever you're at, at home, watching online, listening to the podcast, or right here in this auditorium, if you're ready to surrender it to God, to no longer become a PSL, but to become the FSL. No longer become partially surrendered life, but a fully surrendered life to Jesus. In every area, every arena of your life, I'm going to count to three. And I would like you to lift your hand up to the Lord today. Again, we will not embarrass you. We wouldn't do that for all the money in the world. This is between you and God. But it's time to surrender that one thing. Doesn't make you any less of a Christian. In fact, this decision makes you even more honest with God. One, two, three.